You're listening to Real Love, Real Stories TV and podcast. I am so excited you're here. My name is Kanu and I'm the host and I am bringing to you another love story. Enjoy. Right, so welcome to Real Love, Real Stories. I'm really excited to have you on here and sharing your journey. So why don't we have you start by introducing yourself? Well, my name is Jacqueline uh, J. Holness. I'm a journalist living in Metro Atlanta. Uh, I've written a book. My debut novel is called Destination Wedding, and uh, it came out in December 2019. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we'll talk about that book a little bit later. But to start with, let's just talk about your journey. What has your journey been like to finding love? Well, it's been a very twisty uh, journey. Uh, lots of twists and turns. Um, and I kind of have to start with my mother because my mother got married when she was 30 years old, mm-hmm. which was, you know, somewhat older for that time period. So I always thought to myself, I probably won't get married any sooner than my mom did, but I didn't know it was going to be at 39. <laughs> I thought <laughs> So, um, so I already had that mindset and I also knew that I didn't want to get married in my twenties. Uh-huh. I knew that I wanted to kind of explore life as a single person. And I just wanted to do that first. And then I thought I'd be ready for love. So when I was on the cusp of turning 30, mm-hmm. I thought that, okay, I've decided I want to get married. Surely within the next year or two tops, you know, I will realize that plan. But that is not what happened. Instead, it took seven years of diligent work and dating. <laughs> Uh, to get to my goal. Like I said, I got married when I was 39, uh, Mm -hmm. but I started dating my husband when I was 37. So, um, so yeah, so um, when I turned 30, I I met this guy and I thought, well, he's, uh, I think he said he was a deacon at his church. Uh Um, He was very smart, an attorney. He later became a judge. Um, we went to the same school. We had a lot in common college. I should say we had a lot in common. And I was like, this is going to be it. <laughs> right. And it was the very beginning, <laughs> <laughs> the very beginning, but it was, you know, it was enjoyable at the moment. Well, looking back, it was enjoyable at the time. It was agony because I thought, wow, we have so much in common. We went to the same college, you know, he's, uh, of the same faith that I am, you know, we've liked the same things, what could be wrong? And as it turned out, it wasn't right at all. And so there went that. And then um, there was therapy. Uh, There were all kinds of self-help books. There was uh, talking to strangers on the street, asking questions like, how did this happen for you? I mean, all of those things. And um, ultimately, and it's funny because my father uh, he's a retired pastor, but uh-huh. he had been a pastor from a time uh, I was six years old up until recently. And it's so funny that my husband ended up being at my home church that I've been at since I was six years old. So I, I went all around the world to come back to my home church. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he was all the time. Yeah. Um, but before we move on to that part, because I'm excited to hear about that relationship, but there was something that you learned from the guy that you dated before the judge and there's something he said to you, I think that sort of opened your eyes, right? To 
It did. We had an argument, and I can't remember what we were arguing about, but we were at his house, and, you know, I'm a very headstrong, aggressive person, and so he said something to me that I did not like, and I asked him to apologize. He did not apologize. <laughs> so I got in my car, and I sped home, and, you know, I just assumed that, you know, within the next day or so that we would talk, and, you know, we would smooth it over, and it would be fine, but I want to say it took a few weeks before we communicated again and I'm not sure if he called me or I called him. I know some time went by and when we finally talked, you know, um, I was saying, you know, what's going on here? We had this argument. I thought we would smooth it over. You know, we seem like we're a really good match. What's going on? And he said, you know, I like you. I think you're pretty, you know, I think you're smart, but you know, we're not a good match. We wouldn't work. We're too similar for us to be together. And when he broke it down, he basically said that my temperament was similar to his, is that I'm a very um, in-your-face, aggressive type of woman. And I think he wanted a more um, laid-back type of woman who wouldn't challenge him in that way. Not to say that he didn't want a smart, accomplished woman, but the temperament right. uh, wasn't what he was looking for in a long-term relationship. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I again. <laughs> yeah, I wanted you to share that because, you know, I can relate to that so much as a person who's mm -hmm. been called a strong woman. Mm -hmm. And thinking about even like the guys that I end up being attracted to are sort of that also strong personality. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always work. So, you know, I, I just I appreciate you sharing that part because it helps me um, even know that sometimes, you know, maybe you need to, they say opposites attract. Mm -hmm. So maybe finding somebody who's, who's not. So to, on that note, so your husband now, so you said you did a 360 and, and ended up coming back to your home church and then you met him. So mm -hmm. tell us about him. Okay. Uh, well, I met him originally when I was, I want to say 34, 35. So, uh, so about four years passed with dating and so forth, different men, um, men that I had dated before, came back around, all of that kind of thing. And when I met him, he was a friend that I grew up with in church. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this friend told me, he said, you know, you, sh you should consider my friend. But I don't know, I guess I've always, because I'm a person who is aggressive and, and goes after things, I, I think I've thrived to a certain degree um, on challenges because of challenges. And I could just tell that he was, he really, really liked me, and and I just maybe I felt intimidated by how much I could feel it. Maybe I don't know what it was. Like it was something that I can't really put my finger on, but it was something that kind of repelled me at the time. And I was like, no, I want to, you know, as you know, I want to get out there. This is not what it is. This is too simple. It's not, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, so I remember I turned, I went on a cruise when I was thirty-five, and I remember showing uh, my friend who wanted, to, who wanted to introduce me to him and, and that guy, the pictures from the cruise. And so it just so happened that this man who used to be the pianist for our church, uh, he walked past and he said, you know, if you're going to get married, you need to hurry up and do it before I die. He was an elderly <laughs> man. And I just kind of looked at him and then my husband, you know, Robert, who is, you know, then just a guy. And now my husband, he said, I'm trying, but she won't give me any attention. And I remember looking, I was like, <laughs> but that happened when I was like 35. And so, um, and it took 
a good two more years of time before I said, you know, okay, I'm open to this. And what happened was, um, you know, I think I was just tired. Well, I know it wasn't that I think I was just tired. I had, I had dated this man and we had dated when I was closer to 30, but now I was closer to 36. So time had gone by and I thought because of the time going by that we had both kind of warmed up to the situation that he was finally ready and I was ready. He had gotten out of divorce. So when we dated the first time, he was kind of gun shy and, and I was going through some challenges. So I said, well, this time it'll work. Well, two or three months into it, it just like blew apart. And that was in November of 2009. And I was just so heartbroken because I thought I had been through all of this. You know, at this point, mm -hmm. I had gone from 30 to 36. Surely in six years, something is going to work out for me. And when, so when that blew apart, I, was, I, I just kind of lost hope. I said, you know what? I'm okay being single. I'm just going to be happy being single. And I'm just going to put that part of my life to the back burner because it's, it's just not working for me. I've done everything that I know how to do everything that I feel like I was led to do mm -hmm. and it's just not working. So by December, the next month I told my, uh, my my now husband, uh, then just a random guy at church, you know, what was going on and why the relationship broke apart. And he mm -hmm. said, you know, that wouldn't happen with me. Uh, if you give me a, a chance, you know, <laughs> so I said, well, you know, that's fine. And, but I really don't have a lot of hope for that. So two months later, uh, there was a snowstorm in Metro Atlanta. And if you've ever been to Metro Atlanta, we shut down when it snows outside, it could be like an inch or two or <laughs> everything shuts down. Everything <laughs> shuts down. So he came over to see me because I was sick and it just so happened that a snow, snow snowstorm happened at that time. Mm -hmm. And so we were snowed in. He stayed over for about two to three days and he had brought food over. And by the time he left, um, we decided we were going to be a couple and that's really been it. So now it's been 10 years this year that we've been oh, together. Oh, that's so awesome. So he pursued you for how many years? So from roughly from 35 to 37. So 34, 35, 37, yeah. Okay, and then it took Mother Nature, the snowstorm, to happen, and yeah. then, yeah. you know, okay. and he brings you, oh, that's so sweet. I think that was a very nice touch for him to care for you, and, and, mm -hmm. and then you realize in that time that, you know, he's the one. Yeah, but, you know, I had to go through all of that because I had to sort through what the essential qualities were that I was looking for in a guy like I like I told you the very first guy that I dated at the beginning of this process he gave me a clue so it seemed like mm -hmm. every relationship I had I was provided a clue as to what would work for me so that's, yeah. that's so awesome you know that makes me that's interesting because definitely I think you know they say you always learn something from every relationship you have so I wonder what it looked like even for me to go back and look at like all the guys I've dated and see if there was a lesson learned in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. good for you for even, you know, seeing it, right? And then learning from it. So yeah, that's awesome. So you've been married how many years did you say? Well, we've been married for seven years in August, but we've been to it for 10 years. So it was February 2010 when we were snowed in. So yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier that you wrote a book and remind us what the book is again, and then tell us a little bit about it. 
Okay, so the name of the book is Destination Wedding, and it's based on a real-life ABC News Nightline report that I saw in December of 2009. And as I said before, in December 2009, I was just coming out of a relationship that devastated me. And so when I saw this report, it was late one night, almost Christmas. And, you know, Christmas is a very romantic time of the year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's cold outside. People are, like, cuddling together. It seems like everyone is in a relationship but you. Yeah. Christmas parties are happening and all that. Yeah. Right. Christmas parties are happening. People are, you know, dressing um, scantily clad. You know, maybe they can meet (laughs) somebody at the party or whatever, even though it's cold outside. And so, yeah. So, Leading up to Christmas, I was at home one night. It was 11 o'clock because Nightline comes at around comes on about 11 o'clock at night. And so there was a report, and it said that 42% of black women in America aren't married. And they focused in on women in Atlanta specifically. And so they, were, they interviewed four women, and all the women were accomplished and beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, and one was a cheerleader, like an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader, and an attorney running for state court judge. And I said, well, if she as a Atlanta Falcons cheerleader and an attorney who's running for state court judge cannot meet a suitable man, then what hope is there for me? You know, right, I'm not a right. Falcons cheerleader. So when I saw the report, I was devastated. And so, um, you know, so even though two months after that, I did start dating my husband, that report kept turning over in my mind. And I thought, what if I wrote uh, a novel about these fictional women who saw the report and decided to defy the statistics and get married within a year's time? And mm. so that, that's what the book is about, these fictional women, Jarena, mm-hmm. uh, Ger- uh, Sonalda, Mimi, and Whitney. Three of them uh, are uh, trying to get married in a year, and then the fourth one, Whitney, is like their married love coach. Oh, nice, nice. So a little bit about that report. You are not saying you saw it and you disagreed with it. It's just you saw it and you were like, you know, all these accomplished women, beautiful women, if they cannot find love, then what hope is there for me, right? Is that what you're saying? I I did not dis. I want to disagree with it, honestly, because I felt very um, attacked. At that point in history, there were a lot of uh, news reports about black women and our terminal sing- singleness. You know, there were, right. I want to say, a good five or six articles, you know, uh, broadcast, th- different things that were happening all, you know, at the same time. So I felt very attacked. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, I knew it was true. But I wanted to um, show people, you know, no, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, I don't want to be, I didn't want to be pitied. And I felt like I was Right, yeah, yeah. So in those four fictional women that you showcase in your book, uh, what happy endings do we have for them without giving away the books you want people to buy it well i will say this you know you would assume that you know there's a happily ever after and there is but it's not a stereotypical ending what Mm -hmm. i wanted to focus on is the lessons that the women learned about themselves and love it specifically and generally so um so that it's not a stereotypical ending Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, but there is a happily ever after for the characters, it's, but it's but not a stereotypical way. And so um, for each of the characters, even the married character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, I will include the link. I think it's on Amazon. I'll include the link in the show notes and people that want to read it can uh, click and easily buy it on Amazon and enjoy the book that you've written. So congratulations on writing that book.
Thank you very much. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target. So, you know, you have a wide variety of choices. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, um, to, speaking about you being a black woman and uh, living in Atlanta, you know, from what people say, Atlanta is like the capital, right? Like where in the United States, where you want to be when you're a successful black woman and also they are black men. So what is the dating scene like? I know you're married now, but, you know, based on like from what your friends say and what your experience is like, what is, what is it like to be in a city like that and also be frustrated, I guess, um, like you were before? I don't know that much has changed since I got married based on uh, my single girlfriends. I mm-hmm. don't know that much has changed, but I've, I really do feel that it doesn't matter where you are. It's your particular mindset. I believe that, you know, you can meet a man anywhere. It's your particular mindset. And that's one of the things that I communicated in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is there are structural problems that make uh, partnering as black people difficult. That's true. And that's not to be disputed. You know, there have been various books. There's a book coming out at the end of the year about that. So, you mm-hmm. know, there are things that, uh, that validate that premise. However, I do think um, your mindset is the most important factor when you are trying to make wherever you live. I so. see. Yeah, which, which actually reminds me, when I spoke with you before, you were telling me about, even you mentioned it earlier, that you, there were several things that you did in the seven year span where you were trying to uh, yeah, may, maybe self-care, develop yourself, and then also you know, get in that journey of finding love. So can you talk about some of the things that you did for yourself to um, get to a space where you, know, you change your mindset and you are open to love? Well, one of the things I did from that um, first relationship that I mentioned, I found a mentor. There was a woman in some groups that I was in who um, seemed to have it going on as far as her dating life. She was a single woman, but she just seemed to have uh, a very happy and healthy approach to dating. It seemed like she always was dating and having a good time. and, Mm -hmm. um, And she's a good 20 years older than me. So I said, well, and at the time... I was 30, so she had to be like 50. So I'm like, well, if she's a 50-year-old woman mm-hmm. and she's having a good time dating and, you know, doesn't seem to be in the stress like I am, maybe I can learn from her. So that was the first thing that I did. So we started having a lot of conversations about men and the type of men that I found myself attracted to or who were attracted to me. Mm-hmm. And she really gave me a lot of sound advice. And I want to say that happened over the course of like a year or so. I mean, I would call her whenever something would go wrong with the guy that I was dating or someone else had seen. And one of the things that she advised me to do that I had never thought about doing before was mm-hmm. to take breaks in between each dating situation. So oh, after okay. every yeah, yeah, so after every dating relationship, I would take a six month break. Okay. And you know, and it seemed counterintuitive intuitive to retreat in order to go forward, but it helped me a lot because during the six months, I could kind of debrief, I guess, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, regarding mm-hmm. the relationship. And I would just kind of get back into myself and why I love myself first, you know, so that when I encountered the next man six months later, I came from a position of strength and not from a position of you know, pick me, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, you know, it was just like, I'm cool being by myself. Yeah. I would like to mingle, you know, I would like to get to know someone, 
but if that doesn't happen, I'm totally fine with it. So that was one of the tools that she taught me that I would recommend to any woman who's getting out, who's, who's having trouble with relationships. Mm-hmm. Take some time for yourself and to make sure that you are, um, that you know what you want and maybe what would have done better or maybe that you didn't do anything wrong, that maybe it was a guy, you know, whatever the situation is to so take that time. And then also I read a lot of books. I'm a voracious reader anyway, mm-hmm. but um, any book that I would just happen to see, you know, on television or online, if it remotely replied to me, I was reading it. I read the rules. I read the real rules. I, I read he's not that into you. I mean, I mm. read all kinds of books that I thought appealed to me. And, right. you know, so of course that would be different for anyone. Um, I went to therapy, even mm. though I grew up with, in a very um, stable household. I said, well, let me just take a look at my childhood, you know, just to see if there's anything that's, um, you know, uh, affecting high date. What I found there are, there were some childhood factors that did affect, you know, how I chose, you know, what I chose. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to kind of tweak that through therapy. So, you know, those are just the, I went to church services, you know, those are just like a sampling (laughs) of the things that I did, uh, you know, and it was, and when I look back on it, at the time it seemed, um, hard but when I look back on it 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 was it was fun you know it was a it was definitely an adventure yeah that's good I mean I like I like that because I think you know and and you know I even like the fact that when you get out of a relationship you take time take a break Mm -hmm. Um, it's something that I never considered and I think a lot of people don't consider and sometimes people we feel like we need to get from one relationship to another because mm-hmm. being alone and being single sometimes is hard for people. So I love that advice that your mentor gave you to take time off. Um, and just the, you know, this idea that you saw somebody who was having fun dating and who was being successful in dating. And then, you know, you went and sought them to be your mentor mm-hmm. and, you know, and ha- them having this really sound advice. I think that's really, really good. And also just going to therapy from, I'm a therapist. So from that perspective, I'm like, that's great. We always need somebody that we can talk to um, who, you know, doesn't have any biases against us, who's there to like sort of guide us through and process things. So that's, you know, that's a big thing. Um, And the church, going to church and immersing yourself in church. This is something that my pastor actually told me. Mm -hmm. He said that single people, like he actually said, you know, we tend to go online and find love and all that. He thinks that's great. But I think mostly he said you should immerse yourself in church and do God's work. And in that, you're opening yourself up, one, to meet somebody from your own church. Like you ended up being with somebody from your own church. Um, so for me, a person who for the longest time, I would just go to church on a Sunday and leave and never get involved in any of the activities of church, you know, that stopped me from being exposed to even know, like, are there any single men in this church? I wouldn't know. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I like that you were doing that. And, you know, for me, I'm also doing the same thing now where I'm doing more and more stuff at church and getting to meet people and getting to know, not necessarily just like I'm looking for people that are single, but Mm -hmm. um, it's a good distraction that I don't sit here and, and just, you know, be that sad that I'm single. So I think you can meet someone anywhere. Another thing that I learned, I don't know if it was from reading a book, mm-hmm. but 
to be uh, friendly to everyone, like men and women, like yes. everyone. Like, so yes. if I were at a gas station, uh, I remember, uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I was single and this man, he looked to be a bum, you know, I was at a gas station. And so he kind of came up to me. And so he said something like, maybe he wants to get to know me. And I was like, well, no thanks, but I smiled. And he said, well, you could be blocking your blessing. I was like, well, thanks, but no thanks. But I, you know, I did smile. I laughed with him. And I just learned because I think a lot of times, you know, we walk around looking too serious. Yes, you know? yes. And so I just, that was one of the things that I, I, like I said, I don't know if I read it in a book, but I just learned how to smile with everyone. So I was mm -hmm. open with everyone, men, women, whatever. You spoke to me, or even if you didn't, I would smile. And I noticed that people approach you more in general when you tend to have a smile on your face. So oh, absolutely. Being open to everyone, I think, opened, opened up the doors for me to meet men as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I was talking to my friend um, about that exactly, that, you know, this whole year, this year, which sadly I'm not able to do what I'm supposed to be doing um, in terms of going out and, you know, going on a date, like dating myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I started off by doing that this year where I go, because it was always uncomfortable for me to sit at a bar or to sit in a restaurant and just mm -hmm. enjoy a meal by myself. Mm -hmm. So part of this year is I'm doing that dating myself and going and talking to people. And, you know, I'm always smiling, but, you know, like intentionally smiling and talking to people. It right. doesn't have to be like a, a single person, anybody, it could be a couple, it could be mm -hmm. anybody that's out there. Um, being open to that. I think when you walk around with that act, that smile, that openness, mm -hmm. actually it makes it easier for the guy who's single to actually see that and notice you. Mm -hmm. um, I think and, so. Mm -hmm. so I, I like that. This is exactly, and part of the stuff that I'm working on um, with the Black Women's Advantage that I told you about, this mm -hmm. is exactly, you know, that strong personality. We tend right. to walk around with this really serious look and the right. don't talk right. to me, you know. Right. So right. that is one of the things that I talk about in there. So, yeah, thanks right. for sharing that. Um, so, uh, you know, talking about the single person, what advice would you have for somebody who's single? Because this podcast is really to give hope to people that are single. Um, mm -hmm. What advice would you have since you actually went through the journey and now you're happily married? Um, so if somebody's single that's listening, what would you say to her? Well, I would say that take stock of who you are at the moment. You know, take stock of your experiences, uh, what your experiences have taught you. Just don't think that things happen to you. Think that they happen for you. So, mm. you know, so look at each dating relationship that you've had, you know, get a notebook out and write down, you know, a paragraph about each relationship and see, go through it. If there's a pattern, you know, then when you have that pattern, you know, seek out um, situations that uh, teach you about those patterns. It may be books, it may be therapy, it may be a church group that's, um, that addresses that. But look at it as all of a learning process. I mean, all of this to me, we're supposed to be learning about ourselves all the time, whether you're single or you're married. And so in the single dream, you know, you want to be married, you want to be partnered up. So learn about what it takes to be partnered up and just look at it as a grand adventure. And that's your, like, you know, love school, I love school. So look at it as something you're, a course you're taking on your relationships and don't let it bog you down too much. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard 
you know, but just because I have been through it, I know when you look back on it, you'll treasure all those experiences that get you to your goal. Anything that you were hoping I would ask you in this interview that we didn't talk about that you want to share with the audience? So I talked about the smile and, uh, well, you know, always look your best. <laughs> I, know that, I know that sounds like very, you know, sexist or whatever. And I'm not saying you have to look like a glam model every time you walk out the door. But, but why not? Um, why not if you can? You know, but, you, know, but I, you know, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, people uh, discount, you know, what, you know, a nice fit would do yep. or getting your hair done or whatever. And just, you know, looking good makes you feel good. So that, you know, even though most of what I'm talking about is inner work, mm -hmm. the outer needs to reflect the inner work that you're doing on yourself. It, it, to me, it's appropriate self-esteem to take care of your inside and your outside. So that's what I would add. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love I, the thing. I don't know if it's a dress or that color you're wearing, that top. You look gorgeous. Oh, thank so. you. Yes, this is you know, pink. It bright pink is a flirty color. Yes. Yes, <laughs> you look beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? Okay. Well, I have a website. It's uh, after a f t e r z t h e alter after the alter a l t a r call. Mm -hmm. C-A-L-L.com. That's my website. So anything you've ever wanted to find out about me is uh, at that website. And you could also Google my name, Jacqueline Holness, H-O-L-N-E-S-S, -S, and my website will pop up if you don't remember that website name. Nice. Are you also on uh, social media? Yes. Uh, so at Twitter, you can find me at Jackie H. Wrights, as well as Instagram, Jackie H. Wrights, and also Jackie Holness on Facebook. Nice. And again, the, the title of my novel is Destination Wedding. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie, for being on Real Love Real Stories and sharing your story. Thank you. I was happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And all the way to the end, I am genuinely so grateful. So now you can continue to show your support in a few different ways. The first one is... If you can think of someone who might benefit from this episode, please send it to them. And the second thing is, we all are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the like. So please share this episode. And I love it when people tag me to their post. And three, head over to iTunes. You can leave a review and you can rate this episode. All your feedback is very helpful and it helps this podcast get visible so others can listen to all these great stories. Thank you so much. Till next time.